Welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where out of print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. And they're not a big box store. They're a brick-and-mortar store that also exists online. Today, we're talking about D&D in television and movies. Very excited about this podcast. Because with me today at the round table are Ray Fallon. Hello, everyone. Vegas Lancaster. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Andrew Timmons. Yo. And Andrew Kane. YOLO. That's the, <laughs> that's the D&D motto. YOLO. <laughs> Unless there's a resurrection spell or another character sheet handy. Yes. So today's get to know you question for our panel. Hex maps or square maps? Which do you prefer? Ray Fallon, bringing it to you. I don't think I've ever played a game with hex maps. Uh, I have the ability to picture them in my head and can imagine what playing with them will be like. Uh, and it's pretty good. I like the idea. More directions, more options. Uh, but now that we are mostly playing online on the uh, Roll20 app, oh, well, I guess you can control yourself. My thought is it simplifies things, just having a square grid. So if you're ever just talking about where you want people to move, it's a lot easier to say up three over two or something like that. So for simplification, I think I will go with square. But you know, if somebody picks hex, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna freak out. Well, Roll Twenty does have hex capabilities. We just have never <laughs> witnessed them playing oh in four years. Vegas, which do you prefer, hex maps or square? Ah, oh, hex maps for wargaming, square maps for role playing. My decisions are infallible uh, because wargaming. Presumably, you want more of a focus on tabletop strategy and for role-playing. I ain't got time for that, sucker! Okay! <laughs> Andrew Timez, hex or square maps? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with hex, uh, just because I always play in groups with six people, and it hmm. makes it a lot easier to start boot parties in a hex map, as opposed to needing two extra spaces taken up to completely block in a single medium or small-sized creature. Uh, I also like the idea of being able to hold lines better in that regard. Although, I guess threatened squares help you do that in square maps as well. I like it. There's some actual thought and theory behind that. <laughs> Andrew Kane, hex maps or square? Uh, it's a tough one for me. You know, I like the idea when you look at a hex map, kind of the center of one hex is the same distance to any other hex that's adjacent to it. Whereas technically on a square map, you know, if you're going north, south, east, or west, it's the same distance, but going diagonally technically would be a bit of a bigger distance. So if you're really getting into that, you know, is that one ha one and a half or whatever versus kind of that same distance. Although I feel like moving on a straight line sometimes in a hex map, depending on what direction you're going, could be difficult. I'm going with hex. I like hex. <laughs> and I'm actually going with hex for the same reason, because it cuts out the diagonal debate completely, which is pretty awesome. All right, so guys, we're going to get into it right away. Start talking about movies and television that make reference to D&D &D, or perhaps present D&D &D as the star of a particular episode or film. This podcast will have full spoilers for everything we're going to talk about. <laughs> so 
just be aware that that's going to happen. Spoiler alert, officially given to everybody out there. I want to talk about, first, Zero Charisma. It's a movie that premiered at South by Southwest, and it's received a lot of attention and critical acclaim, and it essentially is about a large man-child who uh, his only real pleasure in life is his game, his game at the table, which is not Dungeons and Dragons. It's a game of his own design, a rule set of his own design. But D&D is mentioned, and for all intensive purposes, they're playing a tabletop RPG. It might as well be D&D at the table. Things get very heated when a new player comes in and his world begins to break apart because perhaps he realizes he's taking the game too seriously at the expense of other things in his life. Things go down the toilet for this guy. Eventually, he finds a place of happiness within the world. It's kind of a black comedy. There's a lot of dark humor and stuff within it. But I'm interested to hear what you guys thought. It seems like overwhelmingly the opinions of this movie amongst our group were pretty negative, even though the critics really liked it. I have a lot of opinions of my own, but why don't we actually start with Ray Fallon, who I think only made it through 22 minutes before he had to turn off. Correct. Yes. The movie. Uh, and I will say, first and foremost, uh, that it was a very well-made movie. Uh, I assume, yes. I thought it was going to be pretty low quality as far as production goes, but everything uh, technically was very good. And even the acting uh, was pretty good, I thought. The problem was just that it was so painful to watch. Uh, and I think part of that might have been that it was D&D and the people that play it were somewhat realistically portrayed, uh, at least in the main character, to me seemed very believable uh, and was just so detestable. I just literally, literally could not stand watching him and after 22 minutes uh, gave up on it. <laughs> I was just kind of like... Uh, trying to ignore the feeling in my stomach as it churned and churned until I heard the line that was something to the effect of like, oh man, if I wanted to crack you guys up for three hours, like, I could do it. That's easy. Comedy is easy. But it's what's hard is you know getting people to feel emotionally invested in a story. Uh, and that was too on the nose for me where I was like, man, I wish I was just watching a comedy instead <laughs> of this story that's trying to get me emotionally invested but just is emotionally repulsing me. Uh, at which point I just sent my email to you guys saying, I'm sorry, I cannot continue this movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was very disappointing. The one thing I was kind of holding out hope for, because I already knew the plot line. I remember seeing the trailer uh, like a year or two ago, I think, and be like, oh, cool. Like This looks uh, like a interesting portrayal of D&D that they'll actually take it seriously and not just make all the cheap D&D jokes that, you'll, <laughs> that we'll probably be talking about for the next hour. So knowing the plot line, I was like, all right, I'll just hold out. Maybe the cool character like that comes in to start playing with them will make this movie watchable. Uh, and then he was just the the tip, not the, what's the, uh, the straw that broke my back in this, where I <laughs> hated him even more. I was like, oh, this is just another stupid like movie trope character uh, that I also can't stand. And once I saw that, I, I had to wrap it up. I agree with all of your points. I think it was a very well-acted movie. I think it was very well put together. You could see mm-hmm. how it made it into a festival. The production Definitely. quality is 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 huge. And you're right that 
every character within it seems a little tropey, and it feels like the concept is so close to something that could be a nice, nuanced discussion about role-playing games and what they mean to people and Mm -hmm. sort of how they're, you know, it's a community (laughs) of people who are all very different. And there, there was a conversation that was almost had there, but it felt like it, it, it fell short of the mark, particularly because the unlikability of these characters, who, again, were very well acted. Timez, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the unlikability of the characters, since I think you made it through about two minutes before you turned it off. Uh, I, I made it through a, a little more than that. Yeah, everyone was just so completely unlikable. Uh, one of the things that I found through for all of the things that we're going to discuss, one of the common themes that I found was that I enjoyed when the the pieces where D&D was mentioned that I enjoyed most were the ones where D&D was a vehicle to tell the story as opposed to being the story. Mm-hmm. Because when you make a piece of media for, you know, mass consumption about D&D, you kind of have to approach it with the ideas that the general public has about D&D to begin with. Like, you have to bring that relatability to the screen. Because this was mostly about people, specifically people who played D&D, and then used the most negative, like, stereotypes of the kind of nerd hierarchy stuff that goes on, that is the sort of stuff that makes me the most uncomfortable about gaming is, you know, the people like that. Yeah, they were all made to seem particularly ugly. And even Mm -hmm. if you want to tell the tale of a tyrant dungeon master who obsesses about the game, for that movie to work, you had to want that guy to succeed. And at no point did he do anything that made you want him to succeed, you know? You were just like, ah, this guy kind of stinks and everybody else kind of stinks and i don't know who i'm supposed to root for yeah everything that everyone did instead of making me want to root for them just made me want to turn off the movie vegas you have opinions about zero charisma yeah yeah i was very excited to watch zero charisma uh as uh, an assignment for this podcast because the trailer looked so good to me uh, and then I got emails from Ray and Timis saying that it was horrible, so I didn't watch it. Uh, <laughs> but if our listeners want a good experience like I've had with this movie, watch the trailer and you're like, oh, oh, man, that looks great. And then just don't think about it anymore after that. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Andrew Kane, I think you had a similar reaction to Vegas from the emails of our friends. I did. I did. Um, I, you know, I like to watch a lot of movies, so I rarely pass up the opportunity to watch one. But when got such kind of forceful reactions from those who had already experienced it on some level, I decided that I didn't want to invest too much of my time in that um, since I do want to like the characters on some level of the movies. Um that I'm watching, and I think part of it might have been, and it's already been expressed on some level by um, Ray and um, Tim as about kind of, this is something that we all participate in ourselves. And so to see something kind of portrayed without any great redeeming qualities isn't going to be something that'll be that enjoyable to experience. Uh, Especially as far something, as, that's already, uh, something that's already poo-pooed on so much as d ex- Yeah, exactly. So I can see why, in particular, for a group like this, why that type of movie would not get a resoundingly positive reaction. 
you know, the Nerdist put out this film, the creators were interviewed by Chris Hardwick on the Nerdist, and they discussed how they are gamers. The people who wrote and directed the film and everything mm-hmm. are, are, are actually gamers and have played D&D. And obviously, we've all had experiences with, you know, with, with bad dungeon masters sometimes, uh, and that these were sort of based on that, and then taking a deeper dive into what a what what is a bad dungeon master's life like? Someone who is you know b- lives and breathes D anD D, but I think there's lots of people who live and breathe D anD D who aren't horrible people. Part of the reason we didn't enjoy the movie is because our own gaming experience with our friends is so positive but yeah. i'm constantly reading on the internet in forums and the like and, and talking to people in person even uh people who have way more negative experiences playing D, even though they love the game and i wonder uh i wonder if our experience or that experience is more common and i invite our listeners to leave a comment under the podcast uh <laughs> saying what your experience has been like Absolutely. We would love to hear what you think. I uh, I actually did watch the entire film, and I have to say, narratively, I have a I have a big problem. So the main character's conflict is kind of with this new guy who comes in and joins the gaming group. There is doesn't seem to be a big moment of revelation for the main character. What it, it just turns out that like, oh, the new guy sucks even harder than you do. So, you know, like, oh, he's he's having a party and not inviting all of his friends because he doesn't want his his cool friends to know he's got D&D gamer friends. Like, you don't make a bad character seem good by adding an even worse guy, you know? Um, yeah. And, and there is sort of, there's a, like, small redemption scene at the very end, but you're kind of confused to, as, like, well, how did this character get there? We didn't get to see that journey. We just get to see him spiral down and out of control, and then, you know, quick fade to black, quick fade back, we're in a new scene, time has passed, and he's kind of a better guy, still kind of a jerk, and playing D&D with people at an old folks' home. So... uh it was it was definitely an interesting movie uh it didn't make my my stomach churn but i was like all of these guys very excited to watch it very excited to check it out and very disappointed by what i ended up seeing them's the breaks i guess we can't get a good D based movie well except for the dungeons and dragons movie of course of our childhood no no we're not even going to talk about that what no the listeners want to hear about that movie they, <laughs> I guarantee they do not. <laughs> All, right. All right, we'll skip it. But I'll tell you what we are going to talk about. We're going to talk about Community, guys. The hit right. NBC situation comedy about people in a community college who are in a study group together. They have played Dungeons & Dragons twice now. They've had two D&D-themed episodes where the entire episode is based around these guys playing a game of first edition AD&D and it's pretty freaking awesome. I have to say, I think the portrayals are fun. I think the plots that they have going on are really interesting. And I think one of the things for me that's really cool about it is D&D isn't the joke. You know, it seems mm-hmm. like in a lot of media like this, the joke is that you are playing D&D. 
and it seems, you know, there's certainly there's plenty of nerd game jokes and things like that. But once you sort of get beyond that, it becomes a framing device for stories about real people within each episode. I think as a fan of the series, you know, I think Chevy Chase's character, I think it's the first episode they have called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. He gives probably his best performance on that show that he has ever given. You know, I I really think that I think he gives an awesome portrayal there. There's so much emotion. His character's arc is great. And the stakes of that first episode are super high. They're trying to prevent a kid who plays D&D from killing himself. And they think that by playing a game with him, they'll be able to, like, boost his self-esteem and and stop him from doing that. Um, and to to even have suicide disgust in an episode of a sitcom like Community is is a pretty risky thing to do. And I think they really pulled it off. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think about them. The second episode advanced advanced dungeons and dragons you know that took place just this past week and david cross guest stars and they're trying to get a new member of the study group professor hickey to reconnect with his son who is played by david cross you know they they decide like oh david cross loves D. we'll get them to play a game of D together and through that game they're going to come to like each other and and reconnect and the bond between father and son will be reforged very funny critically also people seem to have enjoyed that one although perhaps not as much as the first because the first set such a high bar and the stakes are not as high admittedly we'll start with ray fallon what did All you right. think of these episodes of community uh, I thought they were great. And I should say, I have only seen the first few episodes of Community, uh, only because it's not on Netflix, in which case I would be finished it already. Uh, but I'm kind of watching them for the most part from an outside perspective where I've seen the characters a little bit. I have a vague idea of who they all are, but I'm mainly just viewing them as characters in this episode. And with that said, I yeah, I really enjoyed them. The way that they structure the plot, for one thing where the entire episode takes place around like one session uh, and there's really no outside scenes where you're cutting back and forth to the game. Uh, it's all just one arc uh, of the in-game story that matches up to the out-of-game story. I don't know. I, I just thought they did it really well. And like you said, the the joke wasn't that they're playing D&D. It wasn't like, oh man, we're playing this nerdy game and we all think of ourselves as kind of cool. So isn't this silly? It was nice that the characters kind of let themselves become invested in the game, which is obviously when <laughs> I think when anyone is going to enjoy it is once they just say, yeah, I, I don't have to worry about, is it lame of me to be invested in these characters? I don't know. It, it made me want to play the game because of the way it was portrayed, where it's like, hey, people that are relatively normal can get together and uh, and enjoy this experience together. And that is, you know, that's what we all strive for, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great that you bring up that point because there's a couple people who I'm friends with on social media who are fans of the show but have never played D&D. And this past week after that episode came out, they were mm-hmm. like, all right, I've seen two two episodes that feature this D&D thing. I want to play. Like, let's, let's, get a, let's get a group together, guys. Who wants to play with me? I, I really yeah. want to explore it. So. God, and what other piece of media has ever done that? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's it's awesome. There's um a, a real real long interview on avclub.com with Dan Harmon, who's the uh, producer of Community, and he uh, he talks about how the network tried to kill the D and D episode and sent him home crying uh, after he had written it because he was so proud of it and they didn't want anything like that on the channel. The first and, one you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, major props to him for getting it on the air. And yeah. he said he part of the reason he wrote it is because every portrayal of D&D, uh, which he's a big fan of in popular culture, has been a joke or negative. Uh, and he wanted um, to show it in, I, I guess, the way he feels about it. And also because it's a great tool for uh the characters to express themselves Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and actually wizards did a podcast with him he sat down with uh bart carroll and uh his wife shelly and they talked to dan about like his experiences with D&D. they talk about nbc coming in and saying to him that if he had written the script on time they would have canceled it but he had written it so close to production that they went forward with it because they didn't have another episode ready to shoot. <laughs> you know, and the critics loved it. It turned out to be to be a great thing. So that's awesome that he got it through. So yeah, I think you should read the AV Club interview or go listen to that podcast and hear how, what Dan Harmon has to say because it is really interesting. Obviously, listen to the rest of this podcast first, okay? Yes, yeah. Don't, don't also, go. It's also going to be great. yeah we got some great stuff coming up for you guys like andrew kane's opinion of these episodes of community um i love them uh they're i mean i'm a big fan of the show generally but i also really enjoyed the structure of the episodes um i agree concur with what everyone else has already said but one thing that i really like is that they actually stuck to like they're sitting around a table playing they don't jump to, you know, kind of an imagine like a visualization of what's going on in some form, you know, as they've done on the show in other ways when they had their claymation episodes and things like that. But I like that it was still very much, you know, they're sitting around talking about it. It's all, you know, played out as opposed to kind of or jumping to extreme stereotypes where other than Chang, they're all dressed up in something or, you know, anything like that. Or in the second episode when David Cross's character is singing some kind of song. Um, But uh, overall, you know, I think they did a really good job of kind of portraying what it's actually like for the most part, which I appreciated. It was a, a true to a true to life uh, recreation. And, um, you know, you have all the, the skeptical people to the kind of, really into it almost uncomfortably so you have that whole range there too which i appreciated yeah exactly and i do think there's a character on the show named abed who is you know he's he's very analytical you know he's he's sort of deals with everything in and a very rational level and they make him the dungeon master which helps increase the drama of the show because when somebody wants to try to be a jerk he rolls with it if the rules allow, you know, um, and and remains impartial because that's how he sees the role of a dungeon master, which I think this this advanced advanced Dungeons and Dragons episode, he gives a rant about like what the role of a dungeon master is. It's very yeah. funny. 
Andrew Timez, what did you think of these community episodes? Uh, I, I just wanted to say first off that I think critically acclaimed is more accurate than hit for uh, community as evidenced <laughs> by the employment status of Dan Harmon over the years. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a fan of community. I love both the episodes. Uh, the, definitely the first one more than the second one. I think the genius part of the first episode was finding a way to get the Jeff Winger interested and really invested in D&D by using that plot hook of, well, he feels personally responsible for the creation of the whole, you know, Fat Neil thing, which then becomes the impetus for, you know, Neil to possibly consider suicide. So normally that character would be so completely way too cool for school that I think if they had approached it without using that hook, without getting that character invested, it might not have worked as well. So I think that was really cool. I think the reason I didn't like the second one as much was because the stakes weren't as high. And you'd already explored a lot of the jokes that you could make about being completely new to D&D, which in the first episode were done really well because everyone was so earnestly trying to get into this thing that they didn't quite understand, but they had really good intentions about it for the most part. I, I think my favorite joke from that episode is uh, Don, Donald Glover saying, I attack him using my additional notes. And he takes it super <laughs> seriously. And instead of going back at him and saying, oh, you know, Troy, you're so dumb, like completely, no, nothing of that sort happens and Abed just goes, it has no effect and moves on. Like it is, it is illogical. It does not compute. We don't have time for you. On. Um, and a lot of that I think was lost in that second episode. I think also narratively, the first episode had a party, a United party fighting against a very, very obvious antagonist in Pierce Hoffman in the first episode, whereas the second episode, when you have two people competing to do the same thing first, like it, it seemed like it was a race and then it didn't feel like the race actually happened or that the stakes were as high as what was going on in the first episode. But one of the things that I think both of the episodes do really well is poking fun at uh, tropes within fantasy as opposed <laughs> to poking fun at fantasy using tropes. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor, NobleKnight.com. Hello. Hello, citizens. Oh, thank goodness. Adventurers, we need a noble knight. Perhaps you can slay the beast of retail and reap the promises of riches. Riches? Yes. Great prices, out-of-print games, the latest releases, and a magic box that converts all of your old loot into cash or new loot, but why? Fantastic, I'll do it. Yes, well, you see the beast he kidnapped the mayor and can only be slain by the most noble of knights. Yes, 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 I said I'll do it. Yes, the thing is, I was talking to her. What? Fear not, kind citizen. The noble knight will save the day, rescue the lord in distress, and liberate all that loot anyway only possible at Noble Knight. If you'd like to get your hands on Noble Knight's loot, head over to thetomeshow.com and click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And don't forget to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Ha, I got to do something to help out. 
So the first thing I want to talk about is the Big Bang Theory. Uh, they've played D&D in two episodes and made references to a lot of others. Uh, I know that particularly people perhaps here at the Roundtable are not huge fans of the show, but I want to hear what you think about their portrayal of D&D. I know the people at Wizards were very excited, obviously, Big Bang Theory, <laughs> most watched comedy in America, so to get D&D exposure like that is very interesting. Anyway, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, and I definitely want to start with Vegas Lancaster. Come on, guys. Every episode of Big Bang Theory is the worst, and here's why. Because <laughs> you guys, you're listening to this podcast, and you're a big old nerd, and that's cool. And nowadays, it's becoming more and more uh, acceptable to be a big old nerd, because everybody sits on computers all day, and nerds sit on computers all day, so the general population is turning into nerds. Awesome. Uh, Big Bang Theory takes the popularity of people being nerds and turns it into a minstrel show uh, where where every element of nerd culture is, uh, uh, what's the word I want? I want to say fetishized. Anyway, that's not the right word. They make us look stupid, guys. They, they make us look like stupid dorks, and, and it's written by bullies, and I hate it. And also, it has an, an in-studio laugh track, and sometimes that's okay, but it, it's, it's really poorly used in the show because the jokes aren't very good, so the laughter doesn't seem real. Also, it's really highly rated for some reason. <laughs> and your opinion of their portrayal of D&D? Uh, it's, it's a punchline to a long, sad joke, and that joke is nerds, <laughs> and nerds exist. <laughs> All right, there you have it, people. Vegas Lancaster and his re- review of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I'm out of breath from that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well said. Sheldon, pull, he, pulls, he pulls his dice out and he says, ooh, I have a, a full set of polyhedral dice. I, I don't care if he's autistic or what, no one calls them polyhedral dice. He's not, a, it's not a nerd being ridden by nerds, it's, it's, it's nerds being ridden by bullies. Alright. Wow. And, uh, you know, I think I have to be uh, honest with you, Vegas, it does seem like a lot of the jokes are like, because nerds. You know, that sort of seems to be the punchline. Like, hey, look at these nerds. Aren't they funny? So, yeah, I, I can see why the show is is upsetting to you and, and to many people, um, <laughs> me included, uh, in a lot of ways. I, w- I was a fan of the show for a long time because they did do a lot of discussion of nerd culture. And it does seem like the nerds are the heroes within the show. Um, but I can also see an interpretation of this is all bullying to nerds and not good. Uh, Ray. Yes. I too, James. Actually, you know, I first watched Big Bang Theory at your recommendation. Yes. Uh, and I think it was like the second season was on, and I remember you telling me about the bottled city of Candor joke. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, yeah, I, I could start watching this. And I did. Uh, and I enjoyed it for the first few seasons. I thought it was, you know, pretty funny. Uh, certainly very, very watchable. Uh, but I started to, you know, as with many shows, just enjoy it less and less as I'm watching it. Uh-huh. Uh, agree. agree. And, you know, in the cases of great shows like Smallville, uh, that was just <laughs> because the quality of the show was diminishing and diminishing. Uh, but I think in the case of Big Bang Theory, it was more that the veil was being lifted more and more of kind of seeing what the show was 
And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I do agree with pretty much everything Vegas is saying. Uh, I think it was just a slower realization for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, agree. And, I agree. Uh, but uh, as far as the D and D portrayal goes, the thing that really irked me was it was like the people that had written it had never uh, played Dungeons and Dragons, uh, as if they had maybe seen one like an hour of other people playing and had not asked them any questions about how it worked. And we're like, oh, I think I got it. I can write this episode now. Uh, and then did. And they're like, oh, I'm going to say stuff happens. And I'm going to roll dice and say that numbers mean this. Uh, uh, <laughs> which, yeah, which really in- annoyed me uh, more than anything more serious about it. Uh, there, there, there's there's a moment where uh, where blonde girl wants to do something and Sheldon or, or whoever, I think Sheldon was DMing and he says, no. Oh, you have to roll above a 15 to do that. And she rolls and she says, I got a 16. And then the audience breaks into wild applause. What <laughs> kind of artistic choice is that? Why do, why, what, what real audience would start applauding when they see a character roll a number where they don't know what that means? <laughs> Who directs this show? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Andrew Timmis, what do you think of uh, D&D on the Big Bang Theory? Uh, I'm, I'm going to step outside the, the shell of the D&D thing uh, just a little bit because <laughs> I think Vegas is, Vegas is kind of open that wide open. <laughs> um, so I, I work with a bunch of people who are grad students and professors and... Nerds? They, yeah, well, yeah. And a lot of them really like the show for the academic context of it. So it's interesting to see, you know, I am not as smart as the people who are on that show or the people who are grad students and professors. So to see them be okay with it and then me being, you know, more of a hobbyist nerd be so, you know, angry because I do share a lot of the sentiments that Vegas has just not as vociferously because I don't I, if I don't like it I don't, I don't watch it generally so mm-hmm. um, but I, I just find it interesting that there's kind of a bell curve to how much you hate Big Bang Theory based on how close you are to the characters general audience of America who you know don't deal with grad students they think it's hilarious then you have the people who are hobbyist nerds like us who play D&D and do the things that are the butt of the jokes. Those people hate it. And then you get to the grad students and they're like, oh my God, it's like watching my life. So it, it's very interesting to see that dichotomy because the, the first day that it got brought up and my boss was like, oh yeah, that, you know, it, it describes everything here to a T. I was like, I, I would not have expected that. I would not have expected the you know, acceptance of that show in a higher education setting where I work. In fairness, though, how many people watch shows and think, oh, man, this is just like the way I live, uh, but they're totally wrong, and they just kind of imagine themselves as uh, leading more exciting lives than they do? (laughs) Uh, So I I just want to say that even if these people think that it is an accurate portrayal of how they live, doesn't necessarily make it so. Sure, but it it sounds like they are enjoying the show because Mm -hmm, of that. mm -hmm. I think actually a lot of the problems with Big Bang Theory can be kind of uh, capsulized within the D&D thing. Uh, 
if you compare it to community where uh, exactly what you're saying, James, with your friends that saw community and thought, oh, this is what Dungeons and Dragons is. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I can one, see how people would possibly want to play that and two, would maybe like to play it myself. Where if you're watching Big Bang Theory and you only have society's understanding of D&D, the thought is, Haha, yeah, uh, that's, that's the stereotype I know nothing about. Uh, and it will not make you think about D&D. It will not teach you anything about D&D. Uh, not that the community was like, here's how it works. Uh, this is why it's fun. Uh, it, they just showed it semi-realistically, and that is enough to see why it's a game that so many, why it's a game that's endured for however many decades. Right on, right on. Andrew Kane, thoughts? Couple things. Uh, full disclosure: I've never watched a full episode of the Bing ba- Big Bang Theory. <laughs> um, the most I've ever watched was the clips to prepare for this podcast and anything that's been showed at like the Emmys or the Golden Globes for all the awards. It always seems to be nominated for. Um, one of those issues stems from the fact that I've been wearing a Green Lantern shirt since I was ten years old, and suddenly <laughs> Sheldon Cooper is wearing a Green Lantern shirt, and I'm trying to be like Sheldon Cooper which I'm not. So <laughs> there's that. But it's like that episode of Doug where suddenly Skeeter's outfit becomes popular and everyone gets really mad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was anyway, about back- to say I was about to say it's like that episode of Doug and my brain thought, "No, no, Vegas. That's too dumb to say." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm allowed to eat the scrap the, the scraps of your brain in terms of jokes. Um, but as far as the D&D context is concerned, I mean, I think that they played up to all the negative stereotypes, and that's what I didn't really like about it. You know, no, girls can't play, or, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> or um, whatever. There's too many of them to list. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I think they, again, if anyone who already had those opinions, as has already been pointed out, it reinforced those Whereas, again, the community episode showed that people who aren't that interested in it can get into it. And that's not going to happen with everyone, but it, 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 it can be a lot of fun. And it doesn't have to be this, like, you're in a dark cave and, you know, no girls are allowed. And, <laughs> you know, you're all being weird and you all have real sort you know, it's all whatever. Um, it just, Very I think fair. it really played into all those negative stereotypes and served to reinforce them since apparently everyone in America watches that show. We could do better. And we have done better. And speaking of better, I just want to talk real quick about an episode of Freaks and Geeks called Discos and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, which is another, I think, good portrayal of Dungeons and Dragons where the geek groups invite James Franco, who is part of the freak group and one of the like real cool guys at school, to come play D&D with them because he overhears them talking about it and is interested in it, expresses some interest. He comes, he plays with them, they have such a great time, he's like, why don't we do it again tomorrow night? And they're like, yeah! And it made me nostalgic for the days of, A, when you could play D&D twice in a row, uh, (laughs) like that. (laughs) Um, But uh, it does seem to embrace one of the things about D&D Uh, which I don't know that any of this other media really gets to, which is that it's a good time, right? It's great Mm -hmm. to sit around the table 
with your friends and and just tell stories and you know goof off and have fun and even if you know one of their characters ends up dying you can have fun with that that's hilarious like it doesn't need to be so serious it's more about spending time with friends and being creative Andrew Kane what did you think I really liked it um I just thought it was um a lot of fun I appreciated the um portrayal of all the characters you know the the one kid who hadn't been playing because he was too cool for it, but not really. And then, you know, the James Franco character who decides to give it a try. And at the beginning is very skeptical, you know, what? I have to play a dwarf. I wanted to be something cool. All this stuff. And at the end, he's kind of like, yo, let's, uh, let's do this again sometime tomorrow, actually, or whatever day it is. I really liked that, that growth and transition. And, you know, obviously it's only one episode, but I appreciated the, you know, the skeptic turning into, Hey, this can be a lot of fun. It doesn't have to be weird or whatever. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, nice portrayal. Uh, and actually the other thing that also matches is the few minutes of ET where they're playing D and D are in fact the most realistic portrayals of D and D that I've ever seen uh, on screen where people are not totally focused on the game. Uh, they're, you know, goofing off, eating snacks, but still playing. And still most of what's fun is, hey, I'm here with my friends. We're playing this game, which is fun. But it's also just each other's company, which is fun. Uh, and even though I'm often annoyed by the lack of attention, as we see like in E.T., uh, that's just, I mean, that's part of it. It's part of what you get yourself into when you're in a room with six good friends. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I've always loved about D&D is that we're playing with friends uh, so it's not going to be stilted, uh, and it's not going to be focused, I guess. Uh, so it's, yeah, it, it was nice to see that, uh, portrayed in these show and show slash movie. Uh, Andrew Timez, what did you think of Freaks and Geeks portrayal of D&D? Um, it was sympathetic, which was good. Uh, you know, as, as a person who cares about D&D, I'm always going to like it when people are like, yeah. Yeah, D&D. Um, I don't have much to say that goes outside of what Kaner already said. Uh, the only thing that I want to add is that the most realistic part of any of the things that we've discussed so far, uh, for me at least, was the last bit of that scene where James Franco's like, yeah, let's do this again, and then walks away. And then all these other guys who are, you know, some of the most realistic nerd characters in TV history. They just gather around and they're like, so does the fact that he likes this mean that he's getting nerdier or that we're becoming cool? And, and they, they sit there and they think about it for a while and then they say, I'm going to go with us being cool guys. And that, that to me kind of encapsulates the entire nerd struggle when our age group in general was growing up if you liked something really specific it was not all especially when you were younger it was difficult to find a support group for that when find a community of like-minded people who liked it so every time you found someone you know and i'm thinking i'm approaching this from a very middle school style mm -hmm. perspective but every time you found someone who was higher up in the social food chain who liked it, you were like, yes, that's a victory for my people and my culture. <laughs> and you, you wanted to root for that. Uh, nowadays, you know, with the advent of the internet and online communities, it's a lot easier to 
for people to find their way, which I think is one of the other factors in the kind of the rise of nerd culture, as Vegas described earlier. Oh, man, you're going to make me cry, dude. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was Oof. a great. No, that was a great dive into the psyche of Andrew Timmes. Oh, <laughs> who can't be found anywhere on the Internet. Please don't wait for me. <laughs> Vegas Lancaster. Uh, Freaks and Geeks. You so good. It. Freaks and Geeks is uh, uh, it's kind of like Community in that it's a uh, critically acclaimed show that uh, networks try to cancel a lot. Except with Freaks and Geeks, they were really successful at canceling it really <laughs> early. Uh, so uh, as we said, you know, cool guy James Franco plays D and D with AV Club nerds, and they have a great time. And this is uh, uh, probably maybe even better than community's portrayal of D&D in some ways because it's the most uh accurate portrayal of what people do when they're playing the game I think um and it's awesome it's really really fun to watch the show is great you know everyone on the show turns out to be a star when they grow up anyway this show is awesome this is great this is the best portrayal of D&D and it's James Franco playing it uh, and he's really good looking like our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think people have a lot more sympathy for, uh, you know, 12 and 13 year old nerds who are, by and large, good people, especially contrasted with the protagonist of Zero Charisma. Oh, you know what's great in this episode? Uh, when uh, Sam, the, uh, I, I guess the, the younger brother, the protagonist of the nerd group in the series, invites James Franco to come play D&D with them. He's, Sam's really enthusiastic about inviting the, him because he knows how much fun D&D is. And, and all the other nerds are like, oh, we, we don't want him to see how lame we are. And I think there's, uh, that really rings true. Um, you know, to people in real life, uh, sometimes you want to tell people about your passions because you think your passion is some co so cool. Sometimes you don't want to because you're afraid they'll make fun of you or, or think less of you. And uh, uh, those are both real feelings that people have. Yes, absolutely. It is. Uh, and it's interesting to see that play out amongst two people who feel differently one who's like no no don't tell people that i do that you know uh and another one who is just wants to share the love of D, &D. um <laughs> and i do think that's a great portrayal well that's about all the time we have for television and movies because now we got to go watch some so we're ready to talk about the dungeons and dragons movie no 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 <laughs> dungeons and dragons the animated series oh <laughs> uh, maybe we could we could do that for kicks um <laughs> but everybody has to actually watch it. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you on the internet, Andrew Kane? Uh, you can feel free to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cavalier Kane. That's at K-A-V-A-L-I-E-R-K-A-N-E. I promise I'll try and tweet stuff. Vegas Lancaster, where can people find you? Ah, I'm tweeting it up at Vegas Lancaster, uh, you know, like the fun city and then like the boring city. Uh, yeah. If you're in Philadelphia, come see the N crowd Friday nights, phillyncrowd.com. Ray Fallon, where can people find you? 
As always, that can be found at facebook.com slash gold duck. Question of the week. What's your favorite style of wedding dress? <laughs> have Have you gotten any new friends from this podcast? Uh, strangely, uh, anyone that I've gotten from this podcast has been on Twitter, which I have not revealed because my Twitter is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso, or you can reach any of these guys where they have told you you can reach them, or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And shameless plug, check out my new blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the fifth edition world I'm building. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. All right. Oh, it's really good. Oh, thank you very much. I, I love it. Ah, oh, guys, you guys <laughs> still aren't getting any extra magic items. What? <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Andrew Kane, Andrew Timmes, Vegas Lancaster, and of course, Raymond Fallon. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling, keep on watching, and keep on listening to the roundtable.